Hi everybody, I'm Jeff Suckendorf, CEO of UTDs. I don't even know my name, my company anymore. It's changed. We did <laughs> what, that five times. Is the name we changed? Yeah, it's UTD Scuba Diving now, not Unified Team Diving anymore. Well, it's Unified Team Diving or UTD Scuba or UTD Diving. Diving. You can have an official name. It's UTD Scuba Diving. Okay. Hey everybody, Jeff here. Welcome back to one of our car casts. I am not actually in a car, I'm in an airport today, so we'll see how this goes. And uh, it's a pretty quiet gate, so I have about another hour before my flight goes. And uh, we'll just probably have to stop for some announcements, but it, it's okay. Nice little Muzak in the background to keep us company. So I wanted to talk about fulfilling unfulfilled dreams today. And this is all very apropos for me um, based on this past weekend so we um, had our grandkid with us for about two weeks and the last four or five days of it we took him to park city utah because he had never seen snow before and he you know he's 12 years old so that's boring that's crazy i don't want to go and then of course he had the best time ever playing pond hockey and taking a snowboard lesson and going tubing and stuff like that. So it's, it was a really fantastic trip to introduce him to something that he just fell in love with, which is tough uh, sometimes for him because he's so focused on video games that to get him outdoors and, you know, on a snowboard for three hours was crazy. Uh, this is going to be a little bit of a story at the beginning here about skiing as opposed to cycling, which is, I know, rare for us, but we're going to give it a go. So... I um, I have a long history with cross-country skiing. I raced as a as a kid when I was living in upstate New York, and and just really loved cross-country skiing and did it you know, for many many years. And I transitioned from the classical type of Nordic skiing to the skating type of cross-country skiing uh, back in the 80s when it just barely started. But it all began with me, where somebody gave me a pair of wooden cross-country skis. This goes way back. And I think they were made by a company called Splitkin. And what you would do to prep the bases of those skis is, because they came to you as raw wood, is coat them with this tar. It's kind of disgusting dark brown tar. And goop it all onto the bottom of the ski. And then get a blowtorch and burn it in. And you had to just burn it right. So the tar would kind of bubble up a little bit, but it didn't get it so hot that it burned the base of the ski. And, and then when you're done with all that, you wipe it off and it made a huge mess. But then the, the wax would stick to it. And then you'd wax the glide area and you'd wax the kicker area. Sometimes you get it right and often you get it wrong and then you'd go skiing. And it was something I did for many, many, many years. And uh, as I got into the bike which was always to stay in shape for cross-country skiing. Eventually, it kind of switched over because the season was so much longer on a bike. But I have continued to ski uh, pretty much my whole life. And since when I moved to California back in like 2002 or three, cross-country skiing shifted from, you know, three times a week to maybe once a year. So for the past 20-something years, I've been skiing about two days a year on cross-country skis. So I am—I um, still have good technique, but basically I'm a hot mess. 
you know, normally it's at six or 7,000 feet, so I'm suffering with the elevation and blah, 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 blah. But I still love cross-country skiing. So now the next part of the story is we flash back to the late 70s when my career was as a stills photographer for news outlets. I worked for UPI and was a freelancer for New York Times and Time Magazine and Newsweek and all that other stuff. And because I lived an hour and a half from Lake Placid, which was in the run-up to the 1980 Olympics, I had the opportunity to photograph lots and lots of World Cup uh, winter events. And because I was a cross-country skier at the time, they gave me a lot of cross-country ski events to cover. And one of them was biathlon. Biathlon is a fascinating sport where you ski a loop and then you shoot a gun at targets. And there are five targets, and you try to clear all five of them. And if you don't, you ski a penalty loop for each one you miss. So if you can shoot all five, then you go on and continue to ski the course. If you shoot three out of five, you go to the side and you ski these two short penalty loops to make up for the two you missed, and then you go on and you keep skiing. And you shoot prone and you shoot standing. It's a fascinatingly technical sport where you take cross-country skiing, which is a very difficult aerobic uh, and or anaerobic sport. And then, of course, you have to get your heart rate down to as low as you possibly can in as short a time as possible to actually hit the target with the gun. And it's generally a 50-meter target, and they're very, very small. So as a kid, you know, I, was, I lived close to the Olympic Training Center on the East Coast up in Lake Placid, but... And I always wanted to do biathlon, but I could never put it together. They had a club up there. It was easy access to my house. I just, you know, I was a little broke stills photographer. I didn't have the money for for the gun, which even back then was like $2,000. Today, they're more like eight. But I always had it in the back of my mind that that would be something I wanted to do. And I don't live with regret. I live a pretty straight ahead life very living in the moment, very present, very happy with what I've done, very happy with what I'm doing. But this biathlon thing has been gnawing at me for 40-something years. So we take the grandkid tubing. I don't know if you've ever gone tubing, but you take an inner tube to the top of a hill and you slide down a chute. And it sounds silly. It's the most crazy fun ever. One of his first introductions to the snow, my wife and I go with him. The plan is they have a two-hour window. I'll go tubing with them for an hour, and then I'll meet a buddy, and we'll go do some cross-country skiing. So tubing's really fun. We had a great time. I did an hour. They did like every second of two hours. But in the meantime, I was over getting squared away to go do you know, an hour or two of, of cross-country skiing. And while I'm getting organized and paying for the trail pass and all that there's a little small sign on the menu at the check-in thing of the nordic ski center that says biathlon experience inquire within and i was like what because the universe has never aligned to give me an opportunity to do biathlon and i've always wanted to try it and i signed up like right then and there and we figured out the schedule and we figured out the money and they found an instructor for me from one of the U.S. national teams, junior team. And Saturday morning, two days ago now, I got in the car, drove back to Soldier Hollow where I was skiing. 
And I met with my instructor, who's a member of the junior U.S. national team. He's 19 years old, super nice kid. We started at square one, I, you know, and I haven't shot a gun since I was in the Boy Scouts when I was like 16. And so he showed me the gun. He showed me how to load the magazines. He showed me the, the, the range safety, the course, how it laid out, all that stuff, much of which I knew because, you know, I was a photographer for this sport for years and years and years back in the 70s and 80s. And then I got on the ground and I started shooting at targets and I turned out I'm actually pretty good at that. So we dialed in the sights and then I started shooting at the proper metal targets. There's five of them. They're tiny when you look through the sights and uh, they're at 50 meters. Shooting off the block, the support block, I was able to actually clear all five. And then so we switched to shooting just handheld laying down. And the best I did was four out of five, but even that was really good for me and really exciting to see it happen. So, of course, the next step is get my heart rate up. So we practice getting the gun off and on my back, and then I get up and I go ski around for a few minutes and get my heart rate crazy pumping and then try to do the whole thing again with a high heart rate. And, you know, your, your body's just going, like, breathing hard, beating hard, and you know, everything takes more time, it's slower, and the gun is like wiggling all over the place. But still, I was able to, to clear three or four targets on most of the shots. It was really cool. I did try shooting standing once, and that was bad. Missed everything. But it was a really good experience overall. I learned a lot about the sport. I think if I lived in Park City or Lake Placid or someplace where there was a range and there wasn't year-long cycling, biathlon would probably become my sport. So what's the point of the story? This biathlon thing, like I said earlier, has been gnawing at me for decades. And I've now sort of closed that circle. And it feels really good. I had the best time doing this. Uh, there's a couple pictures I posted on Facebook. You can take a look at those if you want to dig around and find them. I'll try to put a link in the show notes of this podcast. But what is the deal on fulfilling dreams? And what is the difference between fulfilling dreams and living in regret that you missed something. And it's subtle, but it's real. Living in regret eats away at you. It just gnaws away at you. If, you, if, if I lived my whole life regretting that I missed an opportunity to become a biathlete, I would just never be happy about that. However, when I look at that as an unfulfilled dream, waiting for the universe to present an opportunity to fulfill that dream, it's way better. It's, it, it's so much more casual emotionally. And I just, I waited a long time and then the dream got satisfied in a really good way. And I'll go back and do it again. We have to bring this now to scuba diving. We are the UTD scuba diving podcast, not the UTD skiing or cycling podcast, although sometimes it's hard to tell. And I started to think back when I was driving home from the course and the, and the firing range the other day, what dreams I may have missed or started in scuba diving. And I really can't find any. You know, when I started scuba diving and I started getting into DIR, I looked at it and said, well, you know, I'm happy at 100 feet, 30 meters. I don't see ever being a technical diver. And slowly over the years, it got a little more intriguing, a little more intriguing. My skills got better and better. And it's like, well, let's give it a whack. And so I became 
I took the courses and I became a technical diver. But I thought, I'll never be interested in cave. It's just not my thing. And I dove technically for years. I got a rebreather certification. I owned a rebreather for a long time. And then one day it was like, eh, you know, maybe I'll just go to Mexico and give it a shot. It wasn't a dream. It was just like, maybe this is next. So in scuba for me, there's been very little that's been an unfulfilled dream. But as an instructor and as an instructor trainer, I see a lot of people coming into UTD with dreams, some fulfilled and some unfulfilled. Some of the fulfilled dreams are simple, right? I became a scuba diver. I learned about diving doubles and I learned about DIR. And then I found you guys, UTD, and I took an essentials class. But I've always wanted to dive deep. I've always wanted to be a technical diver, and I've never known how to do it. Or, like me, with biathlon, or I've never had the money for it. And now I do. And the, the ability to open up a window for someone to fulfill a dream is such an incredibly... Uh, uh, satisfying process as an instructor or as a scuba guide or as a scuba coach. And I see this time and time again where people come to us and say, I want to do this. I want to do that. And at one point, you know, we have this thing in San Diego called Wreck Alley. And one of the famous wrecks is a, a ship called the Yukon. And it's a easy dive to stay outside. You know, the top's at about 60 feet, 18 meters. The bottom's around 100, 110, so about 30, 35 meters. It's a beautiful dive. Um, it's very complex when you go inside, but, uh, you know, it's a full-on wreck penetration dive. But there's huge holes cut in, so there's lots of swim-throughs and things like that. One day, I pick up the phone at UTD, and it is somebody who served on the Yukon. And he wanted to dive the Yukon. But he didn't know anything about technical. He didn't know anything about deep. And he wanted to go inside. So we started working with him on a long process, like a, like almost a year-long process to uh, become, a, you know, go through our overhead protocols course, go through all the doubles training, go through basically rec one so he could actually go inside this rec. And in the meantime, while he was training, he came down a couple times and, and he dove on it and... Uh, uh, you know, did the swim throughs and, and did the stuff that's safe without um, being trained for rec penetration. While he was here, it was really cool because he went to some dive clubs and he spoke about being a crew member on this boat. And he spoke to people who had been diving this ship for years and years and years. It was really cool. This is a really wonderful case of somebody having a vision and starting to realize that there is another piece of this vision. That to close his circle as a crew member on the Yukon, he could dive to the engine room where he served. And, you know, it was such a very sophisticated response to his dream. I don't want to come down there and get guided um, on a trust me dive to the interior of some wreck someplace. He did it right. He did it slow. He learned how to do all this. It was really cool. And it was such a great exploration for me of somebody wanting to close the circle of an unfulfilled dream. And I wanted to present this little story in hopes of having all of you look at your 
diving life particularly, but your life in general, and start to think about where are the unfulfilled dreams? What have you been either thinking about for a long time or maybe regretting for a long time where now you have the resources to close that circle, to close that dream, either financial, time, or whatever they are. The blocker for me on biathlon was really about money. I just couldn't afford it. Now here I am 50 years later, and I I can afford a one-day class. And that was enough for me. It took care of it. Scratched the itch. What is it with you? What are you looking for in diving that you have not fulfilled? Are you an underwater photographer and you hate the bubbles and you just know that with a rebreather, your photography would get so much better? And can we help you figure out a way to close that circle? Are you a technical diver who's never been to the caves for one reason or another, but wants to? How can we help you close that circle? Call an instructor. Let's talk about overhead protocols. Let's talk about transitioning. Are you a snorkeler and you think it'd be fun to just go underwater and be able to breathe for 20 minutes? Let's close that circle and get you an open water certification. Look really carefully at what you are feeling like you're missing in life. It turns out generally that's not what you are missing, but feeling like you're missing something is kind of the same thing. So find that hole, find that missing little piece, find it in diving and give us a call and let us help you with it. The coaching program is a great way to do this. You know, we, we bring you into the coaching program. We work with you to take you to your goal and take take you in a, a just a very methodical, structured way. And some of these events, like I had this weekend, became the most satisfying thing I could have imagined doing. It was just incredible how how fun it was and how good I felt after, you know, this little two-hour lesson with a, a pair of skis and a rifle. It was crazy good. With our grandson, who got on his last day a three-hour snowboard lesson, thinking he was going to hate snowboarding, hate Park City, hate the snow. You know, he's 12, hate everything. And really, he just wanted to go. You know, he didn't even want to do the trip. He just wanted to go home and play video games. And we're like, you know, you like Park City. It's cool. He had so much fun snowboarding. His hands got cold. His body got bruised. Everything hurts the next day. He cannot wait to get back. We opened up a dream for him. And we have a path for him to fulfill future parts of that dream. We can take him back to Park City. We can take him to other areas um, to go skiing. We can take him in California. We can take him in the Northeast. We have the resources to help him live his dreams so he doesn't go through his life thinking, well, I had this one opportunity to go snowboarding, but never again. I had this one opportunity to play pond hockey, but never again. I want him to have the ability to close these dreams and maybe become a great snowboarder, maybe become a great hockey player. Who knows what's going to happen? We just have to have the opportunities. So with with diving, with, with all of us, it's just so important to take the opportunities when they came up, love the opportunities, and follow your dreams, follow your path. So if we can help you with this in any way, particularly in the coaching program, just give us a call, jeff at utdscubadiving.com. And if you're in Europe, give Ben a ring, ben at utdscubadiving.com. Let's get you in the coaching program. Let's get your dreams fulfilled. And let's all go have fun underwater 
on skis, on bikes, whatever it happens to be. So thanks for listening. We'll be back with more of these and more of our regularly scheduled scuba podcasts uh, really, really soon. So thanks, everybody. Down the street of 